opening and closing theme is by Midnight Syndicate. For more dark instrumental music like it, visit www.midnightsyndicate.com or find them on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or Alexa. True crime stories are discussed in this podcast, which may contain graphic and disturbing content. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Freshly Brewed Noir. I'm Summer. And I'm Jennifer. And this is episode 30. It's about the tragic murder of Ayana Cassian and Blake LaBelle, the comic book killer. Made it to 30. I know. We're at 30. Wow. Wow. Milestones. I know. We have almost 3,000 listens or downloads on our episodes. How exciting. So excited. We've had some exciting things happening lately. Such as? Such as we had just celebrated our one year. We did, yes. That was, um, what, April April 3rd? 3rd, yeah. And I think we even posted an episode and we forgot that it was going to be on our one year anniversary, so. I know. We didn't talk about it on that episode. But yeah, we've been doing this for a year now. Happy anniversary, guys. Yes. Uh, To us. To us. (laughs) Happy anniversary, Jennifer. (laughs) Yes, and to the Noorians. To Freshly Renoir. Some other good news. What has happened with you lately? Oh, just just a little thing. Closed on a house. That's oh, it. Yay! <laughs> yes, I am excited about it. You were my realtor. I was. And so yes. you were so helpful throughout that whole process. And if anyone needs a realtor. Don't call me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm trying to get you some exposure. <laughs> but but she's closed she's closed for now i just said i only need one transaction <laughs> i just want to find jennifer house and i'm done i'm retired that's the whole that reason was it. that was it you went through that i course. went through the course i got certified over the pandemic and then i said jennifer we're gonna find you a house and i'm done and now retired retired <laughs> that was a quick that was a quick retirement around yeah thank you for helping me with that thank you i was like once i help my best friend buy a house what else is there to do right i mean no more possibilities after <laughs> so it was very exciting it's Um, a really cute little house so maybe after you get everything the way you want it we can post a little picture that doesn't show anything where somebody could like stalk you and find you because we think you already have a ghost in the house uh, supposedly you don't need a stalker too i know i want none of that so (laughs) unidentifiable photos of your cute little house yeah i would want to visit like a haunted place but I don't want to live in a haunted place. place to be haunted. No, so that no. was not disclosed to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I did my due diligence and told you everything, but I had no idea about the ghosts. But I didn't even know that was something to look for. We don't think it's something. But if it is, that would give us a bunch of material. That's true. Because when we would were at Zach the house. Would Zach Bagans visit us? I mean, depends on how things end, right? <laughs> Oh, gosh. <laughs> depending on how things play out <laughs> but yeah it was kind of sh- it was kind of funny because we had some peacock feathers on the outside of the doors oh, which yeah we had to look those up because we weren't sure why they were there but i thought maybe it was like the evil eye to yes. protect the house and it said it was like you put peacock feathers above doorways to ward off bad yeah spirits i didn't even know that was a thing but mm-hmm. maybe they were up there for a reason Maybe we should put them back. (laughs) Where do you order peacock feathers? (laughs) Did we throw them away? I think we still have them. Aren't they on your counter? We need to put them back up. We were painting and I think we kept them. That's a cute little place. We're painting. It's adorable. It's a little project until, you know, things are done. Yeah. And then your windows. The windows came in. (laughs) Finally, what, six months? Is it? No, it's not six months. So we ordered them in December officially. So 
It only it's, took them four months. Uh, <laughs> the longest four months ever. Um, but they have all but three. So it's like 22 out of 25 windows. They had to tease you. They're like, we'll give you a majority That's why of your I windows. did not get excited with the call when my husband was like, so the windows came in. I was like, mm-hmm. And he was like, we're missing well, three. I was like, yep, I knew it. I knew it. You're like, what's the catch? <laughs> but the good news is they can still start and do pretty much everything else. So they're ready to go. Did you check out the podcast room? We don't have windows in the podcast room, oh, right? Oh, no. We're completely... Like, if there was a nuclear apocalypse, we could survive in that podcast <laughs> room. It is under underground. Like, it's all surrounded by dirt. And then there's cement on top of it. So cement on the sides, on top. It's completely the safest place we could be. It's the bunker. It's, it is. Yeah, the podcast room slash bunker. So I'd have to make it there in a world catastrophe. I'd yes. have to make it there. And then yes, Dorothy. We, could st- <laughs> <laughs> we could still record episodes. We can still record episodes during an apocalypse if anyone wanted to listen to them. The other people that were alive in bunkers could still listen to our episodes. <laughs> That's true. We if didn't we even figure out how to think about that. <laughs> the other people who are not in the safety of exactly. the bunker. Yeah. So yeah, that's what's been going on. So some good things, yeah. And now we're trying to get ahead of the head of the game with some extra episodes. I know because you came through with getting your episode ready to go with mine because we just recorded twenty nine, and now Jennifer is ready to record thirty. <laughs> She's like, let's just take a break for like five minutes, come back, and we're ready to record. Yeah, I mean, I was like, this is a little half calf episode. I don't think it's going to be, like, super long, like sure. the last one. Okay, we're ready for it. Yeah, because Pam's episode was hefty. over an hour. Yeah. But After it edits, it may come. It was good. Yeah. It's good, oh, hefty. the thing about Pam. Yes. So if you haven't listened to that one, check that one out. You should listen to it. It's going to make you mad. Very mad. Yes. And this one will still make you mad, too. Yeah. Sufficiently. So... <laughs> To be sufficiently disturbed after this one. Yeah. And we're going to Canada this oh. this episode. Okay. But then we're a? bringing it back to A. <laughs> <laughs> but then we're bringing it back to California. Oh, my home state. Okay. We just keep going back to California. A lot of crazy stuff's happening or happened in California. Yeah. It's a big place. Have you heard about this one? Just through you. You told me about it maybe a couple of years ago. Like during the pandemic, I think you were telling me about this case. This one is... It's nuts. It's crazy. Yeah. We're going to have to put that picture in our stories of him. (laughs) You need to Google this guy, (laughs) Blake LaBelle. He, especially his mugshot. Yeah, he (laughs) looks crazy. He looks scary. I'm pretty sure it's more than just looks, though. Yeah. I think there's something else going on here. Yeah. Are we ready? We're ready. Let's do it. Blake LaBelle was born in Toronto, Ontario, Canada on May 8th, 1981. He also had a brother named Cody. His father, Lorne LaBelle, is of Jewish descent and a successful real estate tycoon in Toronto who built over like 40,000 homes. Like me with my one sale? <laughs> Your one sale? <laughs> I'm I would, not a tycoon yet. I would consider you a tycoon. I, I shouldn't have retired. Dang it. Before my tycoon days. <laughs> it's not official yet. <laughs> he was newly admitted to the Canadian Motorsport Hall of Fame and sailed for Canada in the 1976 Summer Olympics. So... Pretty successful dude. Yes, he sounds like it. His mother, Eleanor Chattel LaBelle, was an Alros Products heiress, which was a plastic product manufacturing company. And her father, Paul Chattel, was an inventor and held many patents. The company grew into a multi-million dollar business and is known today as Polytart Products Limited. So a very successful family. 
Very much so. Like, each side had tons of money. Yeah. He was born as an heir to two different wealthy families and raised in the upper-class Forest Hill neighborhood. His parents separated when he was young, and he would confirm that they were separated for about 30 years, but they never divorced. Because of this, he lived with his mom, and his brother Cody lived with their dad. So something about Blake's grandfather. He was known to be controlling and erratic by his employees. A senior employee described him as a dominating personality who made arbitrary decisions and tried to control everything. So definitely like a micromanager, Mm -hmm. maybe a little angry. A supplier filed a lawsuit against him in the 1990s, and the judge would write that he was a bully who intimidated his employees and suppliers. He separated from his wife, Leona Chattel, before Blake was born, and it's noted that she was bipolar and had difficulties managing her mental health. So there's a history, something just to be aware of. Okay. Paul suffered a stroke in the late 1990s and died two years later. In his will, he had exact wishes about who got like what luxury cars and what bonuses would go to which employees. He had a condition he gave his trustees, which was the right to withhold cash and property from any beneficiary found to be carrying the HIV virus. Why? I guess he did not want anyone to get money if they had HIV. That's very specific. It's very specific. It's very strange. And he would even have his trustees test them for the virus and for drugs or alcohol before paying out any money. That was in his will. Yes. Very specific. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what he had against people who had the virus, but he did not want them to have his money. Oh, interesting. He had trust set up for his two daughters and his grandchildren, excluding Cody. He said it wasn't due to any lack of love or affection, but rather that he knew he'd be sufficiently provided for by his father, which is still kind of weird. But the daughters wouldn't be provided for? No, he did have trusts for the daughters. Okay. Just not Cody, who was Blake's brother, because he lived with the father. The father, okay. Yeah. Okay. But Blake wasn't close with his father, Warren. Most would even consider them estranged. His father did have his share of controversy, being the first Canadian to fail an Olympic drug test in 1976. So his samples tested for traces of a banned stimulant. In 2011, he sued a former lover who was writing a tell-all book about his life. It was called 416 Ferrari Man, The Secret Life of Lauren LaBelle, but it was never published or released. And that's how you know, like... When people start coming out of the woodworks that are saying stories about you, you've made it. When someone tries to make a tell-all book about you, that's kind of like... Okay, you've arrived. Yeah. Yeah. Needless to say, Blake lived a life of privilege while he was young. In the mid-2000s, he would move to Los Angeles with his friends and try their hand at the Hollywood lifestyle. His brother Cody was already accustomed to life there and would eventually become a professional hockey player. He founded a label in L.A., which was called C-Note Records. He'd be a regular at A-list underground poker games and would follow in his father's footsteps in the real estate world. So, successful family. Yeah, they have no shortage of money. Blake was more of the creative sibling and had tons of ideas, and he'd commission illustrators and writers to help bring his concepts to life. After a decade in Los Angeles, he and his friends founded a publishing house. They worked together on a TV adaptation of Spaceballs and his own work. Oh, that was funny. Did you ever see Spaceballs? I actually have seen That's Spaceballs. funny. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Like the funny version of Star Wars? <laughs> I guess so. Like a spoof. It was so funny. Yeah. Barf no. Fall Mule. 
<laughs> I was very confused because I saw it when I was a child and I was like, this doesn't seem like Star Wars. <laughs> Did your mom think it was? She's like, she might have. watched Star Wars, Jennifer. And you're like, wait a minute. I lived a very sheltered life. So <laughs> she was probably like, here, this is, this is Star Wars. This, this is it. it starts with an S, maybe. <laughs> he wrote and directed a film called Bald that went straight to DVD in 2009. The concept was about a college student who was losing his hair and got kicked out of school and who wanted to make money to get a hair transplant. So he and his friends started an online business with college girls. And I saw the trailer for this movie and it just looked really stupid. (laughs) I was like, no wonder it went straight to DVD. Yeah. But it was very much like a um, college guys recruiting these college girls to like... It's kind of like a porn site or something to create that kind of it's the supposed money. To be, so they need yeah. money to get his hair, like a hair his transplant. transplant. Yeah. <laughs> so, Do those things even work? I don't know. It just depends if you have good good money to get a good one. Good follicles, <laughs> <laughs> receptive follicles. <laughs> yes, I think that's what I think that's what you need. I could donate some of my hair. I got more than enough. <laughs> you have so much hair, but it's a good thing. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Yeah, I'll go with it. <laughs> I feel like. The concept could have been funny, but it's it not was good a writers. Failure. Okay. A flop back down to DVD. Okay. Definitely. The name of his company was Fantasy Prone for the graphic novels, graphic novels and <laughs> comics. <laughs> his works would include The United Free Worlds, which was a science fiction series about a mysterious planet with dinosaurs, and Gold Medal Rabbit, which was a children's book about animals competing in sports. How did those do? Quite a few volumes of the United Free Worlds. Okay. Because the there's definitely a following for like those type of fiction stuff. Yeah, but I don't know how successful they were. It doesn't seem like they did that great. I, not like Harry Potter? No. Okay. Not, not even close. <laughs> <laughs> In March 2011, he married Amanda Braun, and a month later she gave birth to their son. She was a former model, and they moved into their Beverly Hills mansion. A, it's a cute place. Yes, it, it's very nice. It was a 1926 Tudor style home. I was about to say, it looks like a Tudor. Yeah, super cute. Is that what kind of house y'all are making? No, we're doing a modern farmhouse. Okay, mm-hmm. but those Tudors with the peaks—they're so cute. They're cute, yeah. yeah. And it even had a lemon tree on the front porch. Of course, California—you got the citrus trees all over. We had two orange trees in our backyard, and then oh, that's so cute. Friends had lemon trees. Do they not thrive here in Georgia? Because we get so cold, I don't think they thrive as well as they do in California. There were citrus trees in every yard in my neighborhood. And pecan trees, too, but that's a little triggering for me about the pecans. Okay, we won't talk about the pecans. No, we're going to talk about it. (laughs) So as a child, and if my parents are listening to this, I'm sorry, but you know, my brothers and I would go and have to rake up the pecans from our trees. We had two giant pecan trees, and we'd have to bag them to give them to the neighbors in like grocery bags full of pecans. Oh, wow. But then they would put some pecans in the bottom of our Christmas stockings. I just felt like, (laughs) what kind of child abuse is this? (laughs) That is terrible. We're gifting you with your manual labor. Yes. Right. (laughs) So my dad's part Irish, and I guess the tradition is to put fruit and nuts in a stocking because it's about like good health. And so we would always have citrus fruits and and pecans, but the pecans. <laughs> Do you not like pecans anymore? I'll eat a pecan, but if I see them on the shelf, I'm like, mm, I don't. Like I a just, single pecan. I walk. I walk past. I was like, I know you. <laughs> <laughs> a little too well. It's a funny joke now, but at the time, I was like, 
Oh, Santa. His, <laughs> this is when you believe. sense of humor. <laughs> this is when you believed in Santa? No, and... I didn't. But, you know, you still kind of pretend for a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Me and Santa. Done. Were you, like, on your Christmas list? Please, no more pecans. <laughs> right? My letter to Santa. <laughs> Enough with the effing pecans. I'm collecting them on my own. These look like the ones that I picked up in the backyard. I would put little, like, Sharpie marks on them <laughs> to identify them. Like, aha! <laughs> I knew it. So what is this, guys? Mm-hmm. Did you confront your parents? Like, Well, later on, but it's it's funny now. But at the time... <laughs> Well, maybe we'll... um. I'll take the yeah. walnuts. Maybe you'll plant a little lemon tree. In, in I yard. would do citrus, yeah. But I think blueberries grow in Georgia. Blueberry bushes. So I may do those. Okay. That sounds like that's pleasant. That'll bring good karma. A pleasant memory. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I did not collect blueberries as a child. <laughs> in child labor. <laughs> in my parents' defense, my brothers and I had a lot of energy. So they were like, get outside. Just rake up all the pecans, guys. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean... Props to you for doing that. We had a plum tree in our backyard. Oh, yum. And I did enjoy picking the plums. But So maybe I need to bring that back. Yeah, do it. Because you have space. You could plant a, a tree, like a plum tree. Yeah, I'll do that. Okay. Okay. So you'll have your blueberries. Yes. Have my plums. And neither of us will have a pecan tree. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> so he'd become a regular at the Soho House, which was a private club on Sunset Boulevard. Are you familiar with Sunset Boulevard at all? Yes, I know what it is. I was not a regular, though. Okay. It <laughs> sounds like it was exclusive. I, it was very exclusive, yes. I was not. Well, I didn't even live there as at the age where I could have gone there. So I was in San Diego. So yeah, I'm not familiar with that lifestyle. It's a, it's a very um, financially draining lifestyle, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I was just a kid raking up pecans in my backyard. What do you know about Soho House? Nothing, except <laughs> that it exists. Okay. Now, although it seems like he's living this fabulous lifestyle, his friends would say that he did smoke a lot and would pour his and his family's money into projects that were not successful. It was also said that he'd miss meetings frequently and had an obsession with violence and brutality. That's never good. Yeah. Like, when I was watching some of the interviews with um, investigators about this case, it did seem like his friends said that he would tell women randomly, like, about his dark fantasies, like what he wanted to do to them. And that turned a lot of people off, as you can imagine. I would hope. Yeah. So I don't know how vocal he was with his wife, like his wife about that mm-hmm. or anyone else. There's, it's not documented. So, but I just thought that was interesting. Like, okay, you don't just go and vocalize that to people. I mean, it may have been a good thing that he did because that's a red flag immediately. Yeah. So some people are probably saved because of it. Yeah. Like stay away. Mm-hmm. In 2010, he created a concept for a graphic novel called Syndrome, which followed Dr. Wolf Chattel, which, if that name sounds familiar, that was his uh, his mother's name, Chattel. Yeah. Her last name. And this doctor was a neuropathologist on a quest to study a serial killer and find a cure to the disease that makes men do terrible things. Okay, so he was on a good quest. The doctor. The doctor was, mm-hmm. yes. But no relationship to his mother. This is a created character, so... Oh, this was a character? Yes. Okay. So this was a real person. No, this was the it concept was... for the graphic novel. Gotcha. Syndrome. Okay. Oh. So this was the concept he created, which is kind Life of ironic later. art? Is that what's happening? Or going to happen? It's a little foreshadowing, yeah. Okay. It's a little ironic in what happens in the future. So the introduction to the book asks the question, 
if you loved hurting things, what would you do? So it's a little cryptic. Yeah. Now, Blake had been working with Trevor Goring, who was a veteran Hollywood illustrator, on adapting his screenplay into a graphic novel for about four years. The book was called Psychopomp, and it was about a violent vigilante who was fed up with the slow pace of modern diplomacy. The book never finished, though, because Blake stopped contact with Trevor. And sadly, his mom passed away in 2011 due to brain cancer. His friends agree that he started to unravel around this time. They said that his mom was the person he was closest to, and that really unhinged him. In Eleanor's will, it's suggested that she was worth over $12 million in property, cash, and stock at the time of her death. So just a little bit. Not, you know, some chump change. Yeah, no, not at all. (laughs) He received much of his mother's estate, her $5.5 million home in Toronto, and other assets worth millions. He didn't attend her funeral, however, and then two years after her death, he sued in an attempt to have her will overturned. During this case, he confessed to having almost no income of his own and that he had to rely on his father to pay his bills. His father said that he and Blake's mother had supported his lifestyle, totaling about $1.8 million for seven years. That's expensive. Yeah. I mean, seven years is a big chunk of time, but that's That's, a lot of money. That's a lot of spending, yeah. In 2013, Blake lost the case, and the firm that represented him sued him for $400,000 in unpaid fees. (laughs) So he lost. Now he owes money. Attorney's fees. Ooh. You know attorney's fees. Those are... Don't mess uh, with that. Can uh, add up. Attorneys will get paid. For sure. (laughs) Blake left his wife, Amanda, while she was eight months pregnant and filed for divorce in July 2015. He was still close with his son and wanted to handle the divorce amicably. His friends would say that he became increasingly paranoid during this time, and he'd isolate himself from them. They speculated that it was because he was embarrassed about the divorce. But Amanda was shocked by this and would say that he just changed suddenly, and she struggled to contact him. But before this, in 2014, Iana Cassian moved to Los Angeles on a student visa. She was born in Kiev, Ukraine, on January 27, 1986. She studied law and worked as a prosecutor at the Ukrainian tax service. While in California, she worked as a model and would start dating Blake. He brought her to dinner with Trevor Goring, who was the illustrator that he worked with previously, and he remembers her as a pleasant, attractive woman with an Eastern European accent, and he said that they seemed happy together. She's beautiful and smart. Exactly. She is gorgeous. Definitely with the exotic features. Mm -hmm. In 2015, Amanda Braun, his ex-wife, would give birth to their second son. Because remember, when he left, she was pregnant. Pregnant, yes. A few months later, Iana would be pregnant too. And on May 3rd, 2016, she gave birth to their daughter. So three kids at this point. Iana was excited about being a mother, and friends said that Blake seemed happy about this. Then on May 20th, a little past midnight, south of Blake's Hollywood home, He was arrested on suspicion of felony rape by the Los Angeles police. What? He spent 15 hours in jail before posting a $100,000 bail. Once Iana found out about his arrest, she quickly moved out of their apartment and moved in with her mother, Olga, who was visiting from Kiev and was renting a unit down the street. So she was like immediately like, okay. So who did he attack? Uh, It was another girl that he was seeing at the same time. Oh. So he is definitely like... Not a good guy. Mm Non-committal. On May 24th, Blake reached out to Ayana and told her that he was sorry and that he couldn't live without her. 
she agreed to meet with him for a short visit. Surveillance footage would show that she arrived at the apartment at 9.30 p.m. that night. Guessing things don't go well after this. <sighs> no, they do not. Olga visited often to take care of the baby, and just the day prior, they were out shopping for a baby stroller. When she didn't hear back from her, she started to feel that something was wrong. She and a friend went to Blake's apartment at 1.44 p.m. to look for her. They noticed that Ayana's car was still there and parked in the garage of the complex. Olga went to the front of the complex and saw that the sliding glass door on the balcony was open. She called for Blake to let her in, but then saw his hand as it closed the door. So she knew he was home. He he was home. and But he didn't let the mother in? Nope. Like, immediately, I would be freaking out, you know? I would, too. Oh I'm God. sure she was, because he's not answering. She can't contact Ayana, her daughter, so... This is where you beat down that door. Well, she called police. So the next day, her mom went to the L.A. County Sheriff's Department and asked an officer to go to the unit with her. They were there for about two hours to investigate. The blinds of the balcony were closed, and they couldn't see anyone inside of the apartment. They knocked on the door and rang the doorbell several times, but nobody answered again. They got Blake's phone number from the property manager and tried calling him and leaving voicemails, but they weren't returned. Her mom asked the officers to break down the door, but there wasn't enough reasonable cause at that point. They said that it hadn't even been like a full day. Oh, that poor mom. I know, because uh, she felt that something was wrong. She could tell. Yeah. And the fact that he was in the home, he's not responding. Don't let her in. Something, something's going on. And was the daughter there too? Olga had the daughter. Okay. So she had her granddaughter, but she couldn't reach her daughter. Yeah. Okay. Her family was feeling uneasy, and Ayana hadn't been with her newborn for almost a full day and was with a man who was just arrested for sexual assault. So, you know, they're... Rightfully uh, scared. Yeah. On May 26th, Olga attempted multiple times to reach Ayana. She even sent her a text saying, Are you alive, my dear daughter? I called the police because he's holding you there. I came over there and knocked. Answer me. Later that day, Olga went back to the apartment with the police, and they spoke to a neighbor who stated that they hadn't seen anyone in the last day or two. After unsuccessful attempts to contact Blake, the officer obtained a key to the apartment while backup officers arrived at the scene. The inside safety latch was engaged, so they had to kick the door. Inside, it was completely dark. They found a barricade of furniture and bedding, and Blake was hiding behind it. He was refusing to leave because he was afraid that they were going to beat him up. They said that they just wanted to make sure his girlfriend was okay, and he said that she was fine and was at Cedar sinai Hospital. Cedar sinai Oh, Cedar sinai Hospital. Blake said that he wasn't going to leave until his father arrived. He was referring to a man named Stephen Green, who was his accountant and mentor. According to Stephen, he had been trying to get in touch with Blake for a month and was unable to get in contact with him. He was really worried about him and wanted to help him with what whatever was going on. I don't think he knew, you know, what had just happened. Right. I'm sure not. Blake called him around noon that day and asked him to come over. When Stephen got to the scene, he identified himself to the police. Officers had Stephen talk to Blake to convince him to come out of the room. He eventually agreed, and when he came out, they took his cell phone, and he was only wearing white boxer shorts. So he was naked but just white boxers on while well, this is this is happening mm. mental break maybe um i think was definitely just, just something like that no because <laughs> i think there was something, something happening going on okay mm -hmm. when officers checked 
the clothes, they found his passport and $4,000. Oh, he's getting ready to skip. He was definitely trying to head out. Officers arrested Blake while he resisted, and when they got to the bedroom, they found Ayana on the bed covered by a red Mickey Mouse blanket. Her body was naked, mangled, cut up, and shown signs of torture. Oh, no. Paramedics arrived, and she was pronounced dead at 1.02 p.m. So she was dead when they got there? Yes. Her scalp had been cut at the back of her head, but in other areas, it appeared to have been ripped away, (gasps) leaving her skull fully exposed. This one's rough. Portions of the right side of her face were torn off, including her right ear. Part of her eyebrow was found on the floor near the bed. There was an injury on her jaw, which appeared to be a human bite mark. Bloodstains were found on the mattress and all over the furniture in the apartment. There was a clump of hair and a bloodstained razor in the trash can. What did he do to that poor girl? So he used the razor to cut off pieces of her skin? Yeah. It sounds like he used the razor to, from the back of her head, start, like, exposing Uh. her skull. Oh, my God. And we'll get into it, but it sounds like she was alive during this process. Oh, that poor girl. In the master bathroom, there was warm water running in the bathtub. Blood and hair were in the tub and sink. A green paring knife was found in the top drawer of the bathroom with blood on the handle. There was an oval shape of the blood stains found on the headboard, which were consistent with having been made from the top of the victim's head. Chemical testing confirmed the presence of blood in the dining room, hallway, guest bathroom, kitchen, garbage disposal, and both bedrooms, and that someone had tried to clean it up. In the dumpster, they found trash bags filled with bedding, towels, clothing, bath mats, placemats, human tissue, Mm -hmm. all covered in blood. So he was trying to clean up the scene. Yep, he was. And maybe that's why he didn't have any clothes on at that point. He's getting rid of his clothes that he was wearing. Yeah. During the time he murdered her. Yep. According to the autopsy report, she was suffering from blunt force trauma to the head that cut or tore several arteries and veins. In a press release, the district attorney in charge of the case released a statement saying that Ayana was tortured, killed, and then drained of her blood. The part about her being drained of her blood, though, is disputed because it's speculated that that was just a way to sensationalize the story kind of for headlines. What? That's not right. Yeah, I know. But it looks like she lost a lot of blood, obviously, from the injuries. But it's not like he was purposely draining her blood. Right. That doesn't seem like that was... they just thought that would be... That's a better headline than, like, woman scalped and murdered? I know. That's a terrible headline in itself. They're like, let's make it more sensational? (sighs) I don't know if it's because, hey, we're in Hollywood and we just... This is kind of what happens here. Yeah, it doesn't sound real. It's awful. Either way, it's awful. Yeah. The medical examiner states that blood loss is fatal when half the body's original blood volume is lost. In Ayana's case, just half of less than half of her original blood volume was still in her body, and it's not possible to drain all the blood from a human body. The medical examiner, Dr. Lucas, stated that based on the condition of the tissue, the injuries would have taken a substantial amount of time to inflict. He says that the injuries would have been very painful and found indication that Ayana was alive while they were being inflicted on her. Inflammation of the tissue was present and usually begins with a minimum of six hours after injury and only occurs if the body is alive and pumping blood. So they do think that six to eight hours... She was tortured? Yes. That's awful. I couldn't even... That's just unimaginable. Yeah. 
piece of her scalp, ear, and eyebrow showed hemorrhaging, which is also consistent with her being alive at the time they were cut. There was no blood in her heart, veins, or arteries. He speculates that the way this was done was by having her placed in a tub with her head lower than her feet and water running over the head to wash any of the blood in open areas, which would increase blood flow and prevent clotting. The presence of foam in her nostrils was consistent with her being submerged underwater for at least 30 minutes. Defensive wounds were also observed on her right arm and both hands. There were abrasions and bruising on her face consistent with blunt force trauma. So Blake denied having anything to do with Ayana's murder. Who would he say have done it? Not him. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm just here in my boxers um, with my bloody wife in the bedroom, but don't know who did it. Yeah. And when he, he had an attorney, but the attorney withdrew. I think That's he pretty was bad when your defense attorney's like, nah. Yeah. So it's, it doesn't sound like he had much of a defense. In June 2018, he went to trial for the murder and torture of Ayanna Cassian. He was dubbed the comic book killer by the media. Because he created comic books. Yes, and in the comic book, there is a scene where there's one scene where two people, a couple, is being hung upside down and they're being drained of their blood. And then another scene, which we have a picture of here, with a woman who is naked in bed. She's decapitated and there's blood all over. And this was before Ayana's murder. Yes. So it sounds like he fantasized about this yes he was wanting to do this uh, putting it on paper wasn't enough not for him mm. no because he had said he wanted to do these sadistic things to people and so sick oh my god the comic book was brought up in court but the defense disputed its relevance to the case there's also a main character who tells the waitress that he's filthy stinking rich which is kind of similar to who he is right and then look at what he does He's born into a lot of money. I think he was not responsible with it, but... So was he essentially writing these stories about himself and his fantasies? The thing is, he created the concept for it, didn't actually write it or draw it, but he pitched the idea. But then he still clearly... But he wanted credit for it. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the prosecution's stance was that he committed this crime because he was jealous of the attention that she was giving their newborn daughter. What? Yeah. Jealous of your child? Seriously. She's a great mom. I'm jealous. He, I guess, felt threatened, which that's always strange to me when, like, par the child. They, uh, yeah. like parents are jealous of the child. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense they, to me either. But maybe that's like a narcissist kind of trait. Maybe, because he's like, she's not paying attention to me now. She's focusing a lot on this kid. But it's your child. You should want the mother to be able to focus on that. That makes no sense. Yeah, this is a, like a part of you as well. I think you're right. That must be something with narcissist. Yeah. But that's if that was really what was going on in his head, if he was really jealous, or if he's just a demented person. That sounds like it's probably true. Yeah, because he had a lot of dark thoughts. And, mm -hmm. you know, just because you have, like, you appreciate like dark themes that doesn't mean you're going to jump like to... us with noir exactly we can appreciate like... a good horror movie but we're not going to try and act it out exactly mm -hmm. exactly so i think i don't know if there was like some sounds like maybe there was some kind of mental illness mm -hmm. or yeah. something um like he couldn't see reality from fantasy he had to he just kind of brought it but even then 
why do you fantasize about killing people? That's, I don't know. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't. And torturing the mother of your child, it makes no sense to me. Yeah. I don't understand it. It's really sick. And it's sad that this child is born into this world without her mom and yeah. just went out in such a brutal way by the father. Right. He showed zero emotion throughout the entire trial. And even when the jury found him guilty of first degree murder. Didn't even care? Yeah. Had no kind of remorse or anything. Her mother shared an emotional victim impact statement. And he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Good. He appealed in 2020 and it was denied. Good. Double good. Yeah. Yeah, Like stay in there. (laughs) Right. And he was, um, I think the prosecution could have gone for the death penalty, but they didn't. They just want, they want him to live and suffer. Yeah. Olga filed a wrongful death suit against Blake, and through a civil bench trial, he was ordered to pay $41.6 million to the family. No one from Blake's family showed up to the hearing, and he is currently serving out his sentence in California Correctional Institution. Oh, garbage. Jennifer has a picture of him, and she put garbage (laughs) underneath it. Pictured above. (laughs) He Uh, is garbage. I mean... Absolutely. That's so sad. Yeah. It sounds like there was definitely a moment for him where he became unhinged. And maybe it was when his mom passed away. I don't know if that's what triggered it. Um, maybe, but you just don't go torturing and murdering people. Out of nowhere, right, yeah. Right, just because a family member passed. That's terrible. There was something going on with him. Most likely, I think yeah. so. Is there any reports on if he ever had any type of mental check as far as if he was suffering from an illness? He was checked. They don't really tell you like what the conclusion was with that. Not that I could find. Okay. So I guess it is just a mystery. A mystery. But I do think that there was something going on with him. So Olga was appointed as guardian for Ayana's daughter, and they moved back to Ukraine to be with the family. Uh, I'm glad so she's, she's with her grandma. Yeah. That's she... sad. Oh my gosh. It's a sad case. It's a brutal case. Um, you know, Ayana came here. She was successful, beautiful. She was excited to be a mother. And then you never imagine, like, that's a possibility that's going to happen to you. You just, you know, he was apologizing. She went over there maybe to hear him out. Was there any history of abuse, domestic abuse between them? Or was it it literally like he snapped? It sounds like he snapped. Like, even his ex-wife says he snapped. It just, he (sighs) totally just changed. Wow. And his friends say that he was happy before and then they just noticed a sudden change in him yeah whoa that's scary it is crazy how like things can just change over time you just become a totally different person or and you do things that people would never expect of you yeah like torture and murder your wife that's awful yeah and just like even in last episode when you know you don't expect your friends to kill you you don't oh yes with pam yeah yeah best friend yeah, best friend. Best friend. So it's just crazy how people can just change. Or if that's who they truly are this whole time. It just comes out. And they turn on you. That is scary. It's like the dark, it's like a dark thought. Dark <laughs> reality, you know? All right. We're good. We're not going to no, flip no. like that. Yeah. No. We're not violent. We're too, we're too tired. <laughs> we're too tired. <laughs> Try, we're too busy we also, trying to yeah, stay caffeinated and right. have our hobbies. We can't imagine hurting other people. No. Like that torture stuff is just, it disgusts me. 
And he obviously made her suffer through the whole thing. Sounds like he didn't feel bad about it. Garbage human. Too many of them. Yeah. So that is our little half-calf episode. That was intense. It's like a half-calf episode with, like, 12 shots of espresso. Like, excuse me, what (laughs) What? happened? I hope the daughter and the family are well and kind of, you know, trying to move in a more positive way. But I'm sure that's changed them forever, you know? It's impacted them forever. Yeah, how can it not? What's next? And I should be asking you. (laughs) (laughs) I just did an episode, I thought. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, now you have to decide what's next for you. I'll do, do, on do you know? <laughs> I don't know, but I have some time to think about it. Maybe now I can get to the missing and murdered indigenous women. Possibly. Because I have some sources now. And I have some time. You have time, yeah. And I was we were talking about this before recording, and we were like, we need to get an alien episode up in here. Like, That'll be point. your next episode. <laughs> I don't even know if I could do an alien episode, because I'd, I'd be like, what am I even saying? That's <laughs> you, for you. You don't even believe in aliens? I, d- I don't know what I believe. I don't okay, know. I have to come to you with, with facts. Come to me with these facts about these <laughs> aliens. And, I mean, a lot of people believe, like, they're here now. They're lizard people with skin walking around or they're in some other form like an animal is this like QAnon like the lizard people oh yeah I loved that when I was a kid what was it V they were lizard people but they did they had the human skin on I remember this this lady gives birth to her alien babies so they were half alien because she didn't know her husband was an alien so she has twins one of them comes out and it looks like a lizard baby so she knows it's a lizard alien and she freaks out and screams and then i remember then the other baby comes out and it looks human and they hand it to her and she's like oh oh and then it has like a lizard tongue that comes out and she freaks out <laughs> i will always remember that scene yeah it was good and mm. that's like surrounding a whole conspiracy theory right like people yeah. really do believe that there is yeah there's a big belief that there already are aliens walking among us and my question is okay if there's these lizard people walking around with human skin they ever have to have an x-ray or any type of procedure procedure wouldn't then the medical community be like y'all this is an alien <laughs> like this is not human I, dna yeah right i would think so but i don't know if i believe in lizard people <laughs> but you do believe that there's aliens out there i do believe there's other life forms other than the ones on earth okay that they could possibly you know abduct us oh my gosh <laughs> abduct us yeah I could, I could use a little vacation uh, really come, what, come abduct me <laughs> To outer space? What do they do? They just, like, test you. Wait, don't they do, like, probes? Didn't you just say you didn't want to be probed? I've been probed. Already. Listen, at the ER, <laughs> I was probed. Um, so we're trying to avoid that. Been there, done that. Go ahead. Let's see what the aliens have to say. <laughs> Maybe they can figure out what's going on inside my body. Fair enough. Yeah. I would be interested to... Uh, be probed? Not to be probed. <laughs> to... Uh, <laughs> Everything else besides be probed. <laughs> like, just meet the aliens. Meet the aliens. Like, meet and greet. Are they nice, though? Would they be like... Oh, I would hope so. so. They all can't be evil, right? They all can't want the, like, the destruction of Earth. <laughs> I don't know. And why would they abduct us? Wouldn't Maybe they just abduct, to like... be like, to study us. Or to be like, hello, encounter. <laughs> <laughs> why are those two so sleepy all the time? And they've taken a lot of caffeine. Let's investigate. What is the substance that's there always... <laughs> taking and we need to figure this out yeah why is it so delicious i don't know it always seems like the people that are getting abducted are living off the land in the woods really i have never heard of somebody that lives in atlanta like a business person and is like so i was abducted the other week 
Find me somebody okay. legitimate who's been some. abducted. <laughs> I want to see some legitimate abductions. I'm going to look into this. Like pillars of the community. Let's see some people who are, let's see some doctors, some, some attorneys, you okay. know, some people working at QT. Those are hard workers. Some, so you some either want like... hairstylists. They're, uh, they're doing God's work. You know, why wouldn't you want to abduct a hairstylist and be like, how do you make people so beautiful? Well, what if the aliens don't have hair? So then would they be curious about it? They might be. Yeah. Might be. I'll see what I can do. I'll see if I can uh, dig some stuff up. Like find some, me some normal people. Some normal people. Who, what, what do you think about the people who like, we've talked about before? <laughs> Are you questioning them? <laughs> questioning some of it. I am questioning All some right. things. Well. But I've told you, my brother did think he saw alien spacecraft come so down. Are you questioning him? Uh, I always question him. <laughs> 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 oh yes all right fine fine i'll try to find some real sources out here some things that you can you know with substance yes something believable but even then no blurry photos no person from some weird village some random community that nobody knows about i don't want any of that all right i mean i understand like your, someone who has a skepticism. nine to five someone who has a nine to five went missing never has gone missing before but that could also be like those feral people, like the 411 missing people. Oh, that was interesting. Freaked me out. That could also be a thing. And they, you know, they've never come back. So oh. they don't know about what happened to them. The feral people? The people who've gone missing. From feral people. Yes. That's really scary. It There's is. feral people. <laughs> Terrible. Those might be the people that's, in the woods. That's why I do not go camping <laughs> or hiking. None of that. We don't we do physical activity, like we said in like episode one. <laughs> yes, we love not being outside. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. it is a nice day out. For like a foot from the front porch. That's fine. That's good enough. Yeah. Taking that vitamin D and yeah. then we'll turn right mm-hmm. back around. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> that's good enough for us. It's perfect. Well, I look forward to your alien episode. I can't commit. You it's know, it may take some time okay. to find some real, real sources, some, some sources that you may believe. <laughs> Good luck with that. But one day we'll let you know. All right. Well, we'll wait your decision on okay. what you decide to cover next. TBD. And, and until then, we're just going to what? Stay caffeinated. Get hobbies. And don't murder people. And maybe, you know, don't think those super dark thoughts. If you, if you have some of those. Yes. Don't. Right. Don't <laughs> act on them. And don't have them. <laughs> Just don't have them. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye.